Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Responsive Design Weekly. My name is Justin Avery and I am your host and curator of the Responsive Design Weekly podcast and the newsletter, a weekly newsletter all about responsive design and front-end funky stuff. Now this week, <clears throat> as you will notice, uh, my uh, throat hasn't cleared up at all, the kids have kept my cold going and my cough has just got worse. Um, so we're going to keep this super quick because you don't want me to be coughing in your ears on your journey to work or while you're chilling out. So we're just going to cover one thing this week. And again, there's no guest this week, but next week I have two people to chat to, which I am very, very excited about. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so this week, the feature site, the feature site, the feature article for this week is we're looking a little bit at uh, an article which Scott Gell has written um, from the Filament Group. Now, Scott Gell, for those of you that uh, haven't heard of Scott, he has been doing work, wonderful work, over the last couple of years on the web, and he's always about practical performance. In fact, he wrote a book on just that topic as well. Uh, if you go to a book apart, um, I'll type that in and that's great radio. Um, <coughs> we go with the coughs. Um, so yes, there's we know of the responsive design, right? So a book apart. Uh, Ethan Marcotte wrote his first article uh, on a list apart and then he wrote a book uh, for called Responsive Design. Um, and then it was followed up with responsible, responsive design from Scott Gell. Uh, and it's just talking about the responsible ways in which we can approach the building of websites. Now, because filament groups stay on top of this stuff, their site is usually pretty darn fast. And this latest article that we're featuring is about them stepping it up. So the title is uh, Modernizing Our Progressive Enhancement Delivery. And it's all about taking advantage of some of the newer tools that are available to us today, not across the board, but <clears throat> available to a lot of people and, and quite a few. Uh, and namely, that is around uh, HTTP2. And so we can look at the browser support for HTTP2, and it's running on IE11 partially, um, but it's being limited by, uh, it's limited to Windows 10 for IE11. But Edge runs, so 14 and 15 for IE, or now Edge. Uh, Firefox supports it as of 36, version 36, I think, and we're up to kind of version 50 at the moment. Uh, Chrome has supported it since 41, and we're at 55. <coughs> Safari, come on, Safari. Safari offer partial support. Um, Safari. Uh, Opera supports iOS Safari does support it. Opera Mini does not, but Android browsers and Chrome for Android both support it as well. So that's from the browser point of view. So if you send a HTTP2 um, uh, across to a browser that doesn't support it, it just falls back to HTTP 1.1 in the way that the web works. We always fall back, which is great, and that's why the web is so awesome. So the, the thing with HTTP2... <clears throat> One of the coolest things, I think I've talked about this a little bit in the past as well, 
it's just a lot faster. Um, the the communication between the server and the browser uh, is done with ones and zeros now instead of sort of text, so it's a lot quicker. Um, the compression on the, the chats is a lot better as well. Um, but the main thing is that there's no uh, blocking um, requests. So previously, if we uh, requested a HTML page and that HTML page had CSS and images and JavaScript and the like, it would wait uh, generally. We had that waterfall in our um, network diagram. So it would request an image and then it wouldn't request the next image until that image had downloaded. And then it would go off and request the other one and then bring that back. So each time, <coughs> each time we needed a new HTTP request, which was expensive and made things slower. With HTTP2, you only need to make a single request and when the HTML comes back to the browser, it then looks through it and goes, hey, I need all of these files, go and get them. And they all come back at once, which means we don't need to concatenate files together so much anymore because we're not using the extra HTTP requests. It's just all coming back. So instead of seeing this hierarchical, uh, it's like a waterfall thing, it's kind of one request, bang, everything else comes back. So that's great. The other thing <coughs> that we've been doing is critical CSS. So the idea is that we want the first, the first 14 kilobytes that comes back from the server um, we want to render as much of the page as possible within that first 14 kilobytes because that's the first trip back. And to do that, we need to have all of the CSS that is required to render the visible part of the page within that first 14 kilobytes. So we used to inline that CSS called critical CSS. <coughs> With HTTP2 now, we've got this option of a server push so that when the HTTP, uh, when the request goes out for the web page, so when you request the filament group's uh, homepage, as the server sends the HTML back to the browser, you don't need to wait for the HTML to arrive in the browser, look through the HTML, find the images and the CSS and JavaScript, then request them. And even though they're going to come back in like one whole hit and it's one request, there's still a bit of latency involved with that. Instead, because you know what file is going to be sent back, <coughs> you can instruct the server to say, hey, if someone requests this page, push along with that HTML we're sending back, push all these files because I know that these files are going to be required on that page. So that's really, really awesome. It means that you don't have to do that second request and then you don't actually have to inline your styles anymore. You can just push them down. Now, I can imagine you thinking, uh, but hey, what if we already have those files? What if we've already visited that page once before? <coughs> Fortunately, Scott has thought of that as well. And they're using a cookie to check that. So even though the push happens, the browser can actually cancel that at any point. Now, there is a couple of occasions where those files will come down and you will get the extra burden on your data plan because you've downloaded files that you already had. But for the most part, once that cookie is set, then you no longer have to push those files down anymore, which is great. <coughs> so I highly recommend... Check the newsletter out. Check the website out uh, on uh, redesign.responsivedesign.is. Uh, well, you're probably 
there at the moment. Check the show notes of this as well. We've got a link to that article, but definitely check it out. Um, browser support is great, like we said. HTTP2, you need to do a little bit of configuration on your server depending on what server you're running. Um, it That will also need to support HTTP2. Um, but if you're using something like Cloudflare, which I highly recommend, uh, that actually has HTTP2 out the box. Uh, another bonus about it as well is that you have to be on H- <coughs> you have to be on this is ridiculous. You have to be on HTTPS. So you have to be serving your site securely to take advantage of HTTP2. Another good reason to use it because we get all these benefits along with it. So that's it for this very short episode. I'm really hoping that uh, this cough uh, sorts itself by the time we get a guest on. But fortunately, they will be doing more speaking than what I will, hopefully. Um, Either that or I'll just sit with a bottle of cough medicine and just swig it for every time. I'm going to ask a question and another swig and see how we go. So that's it for this week. Uh, If you're not already subscribing, head over to responsivedesignweekly.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Uh, Check out, there's new stories going up on uh, redesign.responsivedesign.is every day uh, and we tweet about them. So you can follow us on Twitter at reswebdes, R-E-S-W-E-B-D-E-S. See you next week.